Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. Hi, I'm Imri, the host of the Wannabe podcast, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you for joining me today. You could be listening to anybody and you chose to listen to me. I have some amazing news. Wannabe will be live with brand and marketing expert Priska Moyesa. And we will be running an extended version of our masterclass sessions on June 2nd in London Bridge. At the live show, we'll break down how to switch your business model if it's not working. I've done this four times. We'll show you how to generate multiple income streams while you're growing your business and how we finally learn to get comfy with our finances. This event is for any aspiring entrepreneurs and brand builders and spaces are super limited. So make sure you get a ticket at wannabelive.eventbrite.co.uk. The link will be in the show notes. This week, I'm excited to share that I'm joined by the futurist Natalie Kane. Natalie is the curator of digital design at the V&A and one half of Haunted Machines, a festival that explores the unexplained mysteries of technology. I met Natalie at my first solo speaking gig at She Says Brighton. She is a phenomenal storyteller and has an amazing career path that led her into looking at the dark side of technology and the impact it has on our future. Let's go. I uh, saw so some of your talk at Lyft about like ghosts and haunted machines. Um, and I genuinely thought you were going to talk about ghosts. Um, I can talk about ghosts. They're great. <laughs> but you were actually not talking about ghosts. You were talking about um, kind of the, I guess, the dark side of technology in that there are things that seem like we're doing we're making the action happen. So technology, some technology companies make it seem like everything is like magical and we're kind of the sorcerer in that, but we're not. Mm. Uh, essentially, we're kind of just a cog in their, their little system of, mm. oh, I feel like I'm the one calling the Uber. It's not, it's like a whole bunch of other stuff calling the Uber and mm. my phone is like actually telling the Uber where I am. I don't know why Uber's just like on my mind. It's just like, I'm, they're not even sponsoring yeah. me. But like... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that was really interesting. Um, can you tell us more about haunted machines and ghosts? Yeah, I mean, haunted machines has been going for longer than we realise. It's like kind of three years, maybe. Um, and it started up by my, me and my colleague Tobias Revel, who is a um, designer, artist, and educator based in in South London. And we kind of were wondering why people keep talking about technology in terms of magic and actually why is this such a thing now? And because we weren't sure if it was a real thing, we ended up doing a conference about it and inviting some people who we thought were really great to come and think about it in public. 
Um, so we got a bunch of people to kind of look from different perspectives um, to try and figure out actually how that language of magic was affecting people in different ways and helping us understand technology in a different way. Um, so it was, it was a, a weird experiment that then turned into a three-year project um, <laughs> where we kind of went, okay, so this is a thing. We know that people, like, big companies talk about things in terms of magic. What does that do to our ability to stop them or to put force on them and that kind of thing? And it ended up being this big, long interrogation um, that turned into a festival. Hey, that's cool. Good. Um, like a five day festival where we got kind of artists and designers and filmmakers and I don't know, anthropologists and crypto security people to come and do stuff. What? Um, it sounds incredible. What's it called? It was called Haunted Machines and Wicked Problems. Ooh. I mean, it sounds like a like... It was very like weird. A, like a ghost towny adventure theme park yeah it, it kind of was but a lot more like, actually we had loads of non-serious stuff so we had a japanese warrior vampire performance at one point and a sure. spirit medium uh a guy who's trying to be a spirit medium who made the lights from the ceiling drop to the floor and i screamed it was great oh my um, gosh but that's the kind of funner <laughs> side of it um but we we were we're still really intrigued by the by the kind of um the kind of the the three tiers that we we pulled together for the festival which is magic which is the act of the spectacle the machine and like the wow moment and like oh my god technology is brilliant because like as tobias my co colleague said like skype is a three and a half thousand year dream the idea of like transcending your body across time and space is like that's really cool yeah but the problem is like you knowing what is traded off in the process like what do you lose and like i think the thing that i'm quite intrigued about is like what do you trade off so for the magic where do you what where do you become monstrous and often it is marginalized identities who become the monsters in that situation because they're either um seen as not being fitting part of the canon or being outside of the opinions of people who were there and it's really interesting because magic itself is an outsider art and like back in the i don't know 18 no 1600 sorry the people who practiced magic were women and it was because mm -hmm. those women who didn't want to conform to um come to the, back to the village and conform to melt basically the men who were telling them that they were irrational and terrible uh, and they used it, they, magic as a way of figuring out the world and actually as we've kind of developed as a project it's not so much us going, well, magic is really illogical and a bit stupid and weird, but actually it's an alternate way of looking at something. And it makes it, again, like the story example I gave earlier, it it makes it easier for people who don't know the complete, I don't know, um, how everything works, start to understand it. Yeah. So the ghost story thing, as I've used quite a lot, is because the idea of the analogy of a ghost is one that's culturally understood by a lot of people. Like if I told you about, I don't know, my house feels like it's being haunted, then of course people understand like that that, that kind of like weird cultural memory. And it's something that kind of transverses across cultures, across yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and it's good for you to think about things like Facebook in that way or data centers in that way, because it makes it less scary, which I know is a hilarious thing to say about ghosts, <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it makes it less difficult to talk to other people about. Interesting. Um, no, I don't know that it does make it less scary. I'm actually immensely terrified of anything remotely paranormal. Like I don't watch horror films that are based on real life because I just, oh, I cannot great. bear the thought of that possibly happening. Um, so no, it's not, it's not the best alternative. For like a period, I got really into paranormal technology a couple of years ago. What is paranormal technology? It's, it's 
fucking bonkers. Sorry, that's language. <laughs> it's because it's so great because it's, they they try and be so logical and scientific about it, but it's ultimately te- like not real. So it's like um, there's a guy called Bill Chapel, and like we follow each other on Twitter. I've never met obviously, and he is does a company called Digital Dowsing, which is the biggest supplier of paranormal technology, no, technology for like spiritualists and mediums, and like you know the people on Most Haunted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he gives them stuff to use. <laughs> Um, and I, I met a parapsychologist who works with them and he was like, it's all rubbish. Um, <laughs> but it's these, like a good example of this is, is the, it's called like the OV, OVX box thing. And it's a little box that runs on a radio frequency and it kind of has like, it kind of flicks very quickly through AM and FM radio frequencies. Sure. And each, um, minute point in the radio thing has a word assigned to it. And the whole thing is you're supposed to do is like ask a question like, is anyone there? And then this box will flick through like the ghost apparently will choose the radio frequencies to communicate with you and speak back to you and they're always saying like child dead stare like then, then, then it's never like tesco's open on a monday that kind of thing it's always like horrible it's creepy shit and like people people make the weirdest connections with that stuff but because it's like it ultimately kind of comes from a place of grief because if people only read really it because they want to either make sure they're gonna live forever or contest a dying person that they know um sure and it's super creepy and like i've been i've been in situations it with paranormal teams where i've sat and watched them do it and it is really scary because you're just like but what if it's relevant and i did a project where i sat in a basement and talked and asked people about it um asked imaginary people about it but i think i really like the fact that the, the approach they take is so scientific and they can they can explain like like it's an empirical truth yeah the ghost can influence radio frequencies to choose the right words for you so we've made this machine to make that happen um okay i mean like the words make sense and the sentence definitely makes sense. But like, the, I don't get it. Like, no. can they, I guess, I mean, but then again, I like tarot. So I mean, uh, it, talk to me about tarot. Cause I, I, I'm interested to why people do like it now. I love it. Um, I have a tarot reader. Her name is Leona Nicole Black. She's awesome. Um, I like it because for me, it's not that there's the scary parts like ghosts that I just don't like Mm. but there's other parts that I feel like in this world there are things that I'm not arrogant enough to believe that there are things that I understand or that everyone can fully understand Mm. it kind of I guess it's like religion where it's like you can't say one way or the other whether God exists or not but Mm. I know that there's something that kind of just feels almost like serendipitous and there are happy accidents I guess that just seem to be beyond my understanding Mm. um and tarot is just one of those things I'm like I don't know how this works um I'm not gonna say it's magic either Mm. but this is Nicole Hannah-Jones creator of the 1619 project from the New York Times magazine The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks that slavery was foundational to America So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. It seems to work. And this person is... A lot of what tarot is, is like about emotional intuition, uh, especially from the reader's perspective. And being mm. able to tap into someone's emotion is something I can understand. Like people can understand other people on a really basic level. Um, so I kind of look at it as there's kind of something to it. And part of it's just like mystical and mysterious. But I really like it. Like it seems to 
the good. answer questions for me um, and gives me that reassurance. And I think that's ultimately what I like about a lot of the things I have in my life is that they I find them reassuring or calming mm. in some way, um, even down to the technological choices that I make and what apps sit on my phone. It's because they have like a really nice yeah. purpose. But I think the thing with tarot, I mean, I, you're, you're right in that it's the reason why I like tarot and I understand why people use tarot is because it's deeply personal and it's deeply emotional and it's 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 open to your own interpretation about things. Mm-hmm. And if it's a way for you to talk about things that are difficult in other ways that are less than like you can sitting down and be like, these are my feelings, read them. But, you, <laughs> but sometimes people, people do need those those things. And like every now and again, I've, I've had a tarot reading from a friend who's basically said, okay, we're going to go like do this and we'll read it and you can interpret it in whatever way you want. And often like, I'm not a very spiritual person, but I like, again, the way of using these things, which again, are superbly human derived and culturally derived as a way of figuring out something that might be a difficult problem for me yeah, or something that I'm trying to figure out. And it's like, you might like, for me, it's probably not someone, someone or something, but it's a way of realigning my world in a way that I can I can read better I think actually this is why I anyone who's kind of we have a lot of people saying like, oh do you think your magic is rubbish and what well, don't you think everything is terrible like oh God, it's just it's just a bunch of old weirdos and it's like well no it's not because like you're disregarding an entire cultural practice by doing yeah. that and actually it's a very western problem to completely remove a lot of more spiritual practices as being nonsense yeah and I find it deeply troubling actually um and I remember there's an artist that I work with in impact called Tab- Tabitha Razor who's incredible and she does this like a lot of her work is just to kind of decolonial like decolonializing of the internet by kind of, she's she's great she's but she talks about the fact that in the west technology has always been this site of disruption innovation pushing forward growth while in the and not in the west a lot of like the way that technology has come through sort of does other practices through spiritual practices and like healing and like group meditation like Rufa who does she says Brighton I think she still does like group meditations online on Skype yeah um I think that's a really nice way of thinking about the internet like and as a place where it's a bit more positive but like I always feel like it's much more reaction but I really I really find it very troubling particularly when the nature of scientific truth is on very shaky grounds and actually doesn't exist yeah um for you to disregard something that you think is illogical I think is problematic and difficult yeah so I completely agree with that I think that's actually the one thing anthropology did give me mm. um mostly because a lot of the the basics especially when we were studying cultures in West Africa and spirituality mm. there um they were really almost there was an almost um oh patron it was quite patronizing when it was taught to us I mean not all the teachers were like that some of them were fine Mm. um, and quite respectful in fact one of my lecturers was a shaman and he went to get his shaman training so we had like our first lecture with him like with a mud stick just you know just he had he asked the university to switch off the fire alarms just so he could have his one hour mud stick session and then we did some drawing I mean it was very weird um but he was great I know it was so weird Um, but I I I don't dismiss it because I'm from the Caribbean and Mm. we talk a lot about like the kind of there's a lot of Christianity but there's Mm. also this kind of unspoken oh that's ubia Mm. or voodoo or whatever so i i don't know if i personally believe in all of that but Mm. i can respect many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That it exists and that to some people it's very real. Um, And so I I do like kind of, I like that side of um, human culture and society, like Mm. what makes you believe the things that you believe and what kind of confirms that that's real for you. Yeah. Um, I find that fascinating personally. But it's the same with like, again, with technology and how people understand how they think stuff works. Like there's um, a really great project by an anthropologist, I think it's an anthropologist called Nicola Nova, Nicholas Nova. he invited us to lift actually for that talk um, and he did this project called curious rituals which is about the weird things that people do with technology because they've learned somehow that that's how a system works so um there's a guy in, in, in part of the book which is really like and the way that the nicola writes about it is very um sympathetic it's not like him going like oh look at the weird people but he's like there's an old guy who had got a smartphone and the, the, the signal wasn't coming through. And so he just like licked his finger. I swear I licked my finger. It didn't come across <laughs> on a on radio and put it finger in the air because he thought that date, the data and signal came from somewhere in the sky. Oh, And it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of cute. That's so cute. But it's like, it's not because he's being stupid. It's because when you were kids, like, remember touching the aerial of a television? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you're, 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 mostly, you're, mostly, mostly, you're mostly water. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, you, that has a conductive element to it and it does affect the picture, picture signal in some way. And so there's this, some, this weird thing that happened along that process where it got corrupted where, because he's probably because he was, he was older that he was too afraid to ask people because they think he was stupid or they've done all this weird stuff like try and rationalize this thing for them and if it worked once and it was confirmed then they'll do it again yeah basically Um, but stuff like shaking your phone to try and get more battery or um putting it in the fridge because think it might last longer or weird little rituals people do about like even like banging the remote control to try and get the batteries like all of that weird stuff i definitely do that but it it comes from it's it's very like culturally derived and i think that's a really good place to start analyzing something rather than thinking about how technology can solve something you kind of go back and go okay so why are people like why do we think people need this why do we think that people um need to like well actually what is to kind of step back one more and have a look at the problem and actually it's very similar to um i saw a talk quite recently about a person who a a british person chinese British-born Chinese woman had gone to um, China to go and do a work for a year, and she was talking about how the healthcare system is like it's, it's treated very differently to it does in the West, where you're given a pill or a, something and it's taken care of. They try to trace back the root of the problem before they commit to anything, um, which is kind of why people kind of there's a bit of a conflation between Chinese medicine and homeopathy. They are very different things, and I think the Chinese medicine thing is more 
from what I understand, it's just a different approach to where you see the person as a whole rather than something to be fixed, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I find it quite an interesting approach to how you would then apply that to something like design or technology. Like, how do you kind of go, okay, before we just commit to that being the problem, what other problems could there be? Like, what is leading to that thing? And I guess that's why sort of futures, and f- I find futures and foresight can sometimes be interesting for that because you kind of do that in reverse with the technology already existing and go, okay, so why? Do, why, why what would be the next thing to extrapolate if this is a thing that people thought people wanted yeah but then we'll realize very quickly that might not be the thing that we wanted yeah um this is all just so interesting (laughs) no it's not it's like so good i'm like soaking it in because uh i tried to watch so many ted talks about it to just get like my just to wrap my head around don't watch ted talks i love ted talks don't don't ruin all my favorites i know i've tried don't i've I've got a very good friend called natalie lloyd who is used to run TEDx Brighton and she uh sorry Natalie Burns now because she's married um and we used to have massive arguments about TED Talks oh. because I was like I just I, I think I, because the reason why I hate them is because of the way they make you speak uh, yeah. um and the way it kind of erases any character about that person like I think like it make everyone sounds the same yeah I I knew someone that did a TED Talk and that was their biggest issue because they're very like non-rehearsed in how they like to deliver talking yeah I was gonna say it must be such pain if you were asked to do a TED talk I would struggle yeah. to have that level of structure um mostly because I'm, I'm used to just winging it on the yeah. day um and hoping that I'm somewhat entertaining you were very entertaining as she said so I really rehearsed that one I'm yeah. not gonna lie actually <laughs> I was so scared I was like this is the first time I'm on stage by myself um having to give a talk was it yeah it was my first time you're amazing oh thanks you were great oh, that, that was superbly winging it <laughs> no you were fantastic so, I was like this girl's great swore um, a lot and complained about men so that's good yeah so, i mean <laughs> that's all a talk full of women needs to be honest to be a massive win but mm. all the talks all the speeches as she says was yeah best great. spot on like they were great um but yeah no i do like watching ted talks also um i did watch a ted talk called I'm going to read it. Uh, Anab Jane's Why We Need to Imagine Different Futures. She's a very good friend. Oh, she's amazing. She closed our conference at Haunted Machines. Oh, nice. I love her. She's great. I suggest everyone go and go watch that because that's a good TED Talk. That is. So the funny thing about that TED Talk, I think one of the reasons why I found a TED Talk weird is because she, when I, I've had her, seen her speak about 10 times and she spoke for us and she doesn't speak like that when she speaks on stage. Interesting. So it was really weird watching her TED Talk because like she was still brilliant, smashed it. But it was very, I think it was, it was unusual. I was like, oh, okay, that's, because it's, it's only because I understand why they do it. So it's a clear kind of, but and it's like it's such good talks and they're so insightful and human and positive. Yeah. It's not just going like, everything is terrible and pointing at the bad things and being like, oh, well, now you have to fix it. Like she has this wonderful way of talking about the future and like the idea of imagining different presents and different like solutions and using speculative fiction and futures to work through that. She's rad. Yeah, no, yeah. it was a really good talk. Um, I also have like a, an affinity to people that have somewhat utopian views of the future because um, most people are not so positive about it and that makes me sad. I think um, it's okay to be. It's, I think it's okay to be utopian, but I think it's the problem is who has been dreaming the utopias and got that's through. That's true. That's the thing that I think is the issue. I think it's great. We should have other alternatives. We should have, like, I want to be utopian or positive about the future because I, I would love it if there's a place where there was less 
terrible stuff that was happening to people who couldn't control it. Yeah. Um, the problem is that the utopias that they're getting through are the ones that belong to the kind of the systemic kind of higher classes. Yeah. Um, and that's maybe the problem with utopia is that it's often seen as a get out of jail free card for people who don't want to analyze their present behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, and I mean, to be fair, most people that I know from who aren't white, white straight male people don't do that, and everyone who doesn't tends to analyze it quite well. And they, and they, they have, I've seen lots of talk very well about that. Um, it's more when you see like Elon Musk or people talking about getting to Mars. I was like, yeah, I mean, that's very nice, Elon, but I just feel like that's not the most pressing concern right now no. in this world. And I, I love space. My partner loves space, but like. And we, I think we, 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 I think we, I literally proposed to him in the air and space hall in the <laughs> science first uh, museum. But there's a point where it's like, like there are different ways to think about space. So like Christina Dermadale did an amazing project called Afronauts, which is about imagining Ooh. if basically if white people had got like my ancestors hadn't gone in and taken all of the resources out of places like Ghana and Uganda and Zimbabwe, there might be. And they might have had been able to go to space. And it's imagining the future that actually, if, if that progression had happened, then they would have a space program to rival the US's and, the U- and like yeah. Russians. But also they didn't because we were too busy like making them slaves and being awful. Yeah. Um, and it's a really great way. Like you should imagine that alternative because it makes you think, well, why didn't that happen? Yeah. And then it makes you go, okay, there's still a problem here, and there's still a problem with the idea of progress and growth and kind of what that means. Um, yeah awesome um sorry i'm rambling about space again no space is cool actually everything you talk about is really cool i think i just don't even know (laughs) i don't know if everyone's gonna love how much i'm geeking out but i'm geeking out so i'm just enjoying it um what i did want to touch on really quickly is you being a storyteller you're actually a very good speaker and as this podcast is about getting people to where they want to be in life um if someone wanted to one be a storyteller the way you are what should they do and two uh what how do you even get into futures as a career how does that what is the path for that the worst person to ask this question because i i i I fell into it completely um storytelling is something i've always loved because i so i did an english i was had a very a great um sixth form teacher called mr birchall who got me really into into novels and like reading actual books, not just Harry Potter, um, <laughs> which was equally great. And actually, it's a great thing I read about people who read Harry Potter tend to grow up to be better people, apparently. I've read all of them and I yeah, still have them. So I can get that. Um, but it's the thing about like, the reason why I love storytelling is because I get it. And like, I like the fact that I was given books to read and I've always been a big reader when I was younger anyway. Um, but as I grew up and started reading more stuff and voraciously reading and trying to get different perspectives, I think that that for me is a, was actually a really good foundation set stone. So I'd go and read stuff, read more books, but read people experiences outside of your own so like yeah. go, go and do if, if you're someone who can't name a female author go and read 10 female authors in a row if you can't name a person of color or like so who's an author go and read 10 books from person of color like just just kind of open yourself up to that experience and read more stories because you will you'll le- like you will ultimately learn things from not it just being what you like and are interested in um and in terms of like futures and foresight, I think it's it's a weird one because most people that I know who did it didn't go into it conventionally. Yeah. 
but you and what I would say is go to stuff where people are talking about the future and ask yourself what you think of them and talk to people who are there what they think about that and if you don't agree with them ask kind of say to them okay so you've got this opinion but I don't agree with it can you like explain to me more about that about that um and get like go to stuff if you can go and mingle with people but like, even stuff like on twitter go and follow some cool rad female futurists on twitter and there are loads of them there's a list of them um but ultimately, I think it's like the, the the curiosity side of it. And actually, like futures is one of those things that it shouldn't be almost shouldn't be a discipline. If it makes yeah. sense, it's something that should be embedded in everything. And like, there's there's loads of places you can go and sort of get a little bit of a taster and decide if you want to bring some stuff. Um, so I think I'm thinking about kind of good events, but um, I think it's just it's it's kind of finding out where those people are and finding the people who you think are telling the idea of the future that you find interesting, and then. Um, I don't know, reading around them. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. It kind of makes sense, yeah. It's not It's not great career advice because it's not, you, you can go and study futures at you university. Can. And you can. But it's it's a very different type, I think, from what I understand futures to be. Um, mine definitely comes more from the social sciences and there are actually more, more people who are using foresight as social sciences. And do you know what? Go and study like sociology and like social sciences if you want to look into that stuff and then figure out how you can think about the future through that. I don't know. I'm not very good at giving advice about futures. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go and study it. I just, I, I basically found a bunch of weirdos who were talking about futures at, com- at a conference and said, can I be friends with you? And now I've worked with them for five years. I mean, that's a really great way to enter it. That's essentially what you did. You went somewhere, mm. asked some questions, landed yeah. in it. I think if I, I it's, it's a weird thing because I, I remember talking to a bunch of young women about this and like the idea of like, just like friendship and like, mm. like going up to someone and saying, I think you're really cool. I know it's really deeply uncool to say that to you, but like, <laughs> I would really love to like know what you know. Like, if you find someone who you think is really inspirational, interesting, go and talk to them. That's most of the reason why I've, I've met the people I've met is because I am awkward and terrible at social situations. So I make myself, whether I've had a beer or too much coffee, I make myself go and talk to those people. And it's the reason why I've I've got this community because I just said like, I don't understand what you do. Can you explain it to me? Nice. Um, I've done that and it definitely works when I've been brave enough to ask questions. I think asking questions is important, um, especially when, like I said, I find what you do really fascinating. I know nothing about this. I watched TED Talks. You told me not to. No, it's fine. I don't, I don't hate them. I think I think it's just more, I don't know. There are the other style. things in TED, talk, TED Talks. Uh, I like the spoken word stuff personally because they can't mm. really control that too much. Um, That's cool. I don't even like spoken word. I hate spoken word. But I like it in TED format. It works for me. I mean, give it a try. I'll try it. Try anything. How cool is Natalie? If you are interested in a career in technology and the future, you 100% should be following Natalie on Twitter at ND underscore Kane. That's ND underscore K-A-N-E. You can find out more about Haunted Machines at hauntedmachines.com. Don't forget, Wannabe is going live for the very first time on June 2nd, and it won't be any ordinary live show. Prisca and I have created an afternoon masterclass that will help you level up your career, your finance, and your brand. Get tickets at wannabelive.eventbrite.co.uk. Link in the show notes. If you like how this podcast is made and you think that you can do what I do or better, then you need to reach out to the Shoutout Network to find out more about membership. Visit shoutoutnetwork.co.uk and be sure to check out our latest production, Not Another Book Podcast, for all you book lovers out there. 
Be sure to follow Wannabe on Twitter and Instagram at Wannabe Podcast. I love interacting with everyone over there, so please do jump on the Twitter and the Instagram. It's wonderful to speak to you all. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. And to get extended show notes listing the tools and resources we've talked about on this episode and past episodes, visit wannabepodcast.com as show notes are updated every Wednesday. Thank you for listening. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.